Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled, Fix Your Gaze, from our series, Hard Reset. Amen. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. We've been talking about a hard reset. Sometimes our technology gets so out of whack, we just have to start over and restore the factory settings and begin all over again. And sometimes we wish we could do that in our spiritual lives, right? We could just hit the refresh button. We could hold down the power key and the home button and start over again. Or even wipe it clean and just begin in a fresh new way. Well, I want to tell you, there are some things we can do at the head of a new year that will indeed give us a good, fresh start in the things of God. You know what? We can never go back in time. Even God won't change the past. But God can help us to make some changes right now that will reap dividends all throughout the year and for years to come. Do you believe that? Amen. Life is a gift. Yesterday's in the tomb. Tomorrow's in the womb. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Amen. And so you and I have to do something today that's going to affect the rest of our lives. And we can do that. It's within our power to do. God has given us that ability. God says much about what we ought to do today. Say today. He said in Hebrews, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. And now is the accepted time, the writer tells us. And so what we're going to do, we have to do Today, amen, we do it immediately. Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 3 urges us with three commands that we can do right now and will change everything about our walk with Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 1, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. May God bless the reading of his word and his people said, Amen. There are three commands in this little passage, and they are very simply these. Number one, lose the weight. Number two, run the race. And number three, fix your gaze or focus your eyes, set your attention. On Jesus. And last week we talked about losing the weight. And we focused on that one little line in verse two, where he says, verse one, where he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And we said, We know that we have sin that will trip us up. And most of us know what our particular list of struggles are in that department. And we should be doing something about those. But we also focused on the word weight. Say weight. There's dead weight in our lives that often keep us from walking with God like we ought to. And we talked about three areas last week. We talked about time wasters, budget busters, and energy drainers. You remember that? And we talked about those three areas of life. Are, they may not be sin, but they're just dead weight. They're things that cause us to not make progress in the things of God. And if we aren't dealing with these areas, it's like trying to run the race with a backpack full of bricks attached to our shoulders. We may be running, but we won't be covering very much ground until we cut loose the weight that is holding us back. 
And so we talked about that last Sunday. Today I want us to move to the next command and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so today we're talking about running the race. Say that with me, running the race. This is the second command that the author of Hebrews gives us today. Run the race. And our writer reminds us that running the race that is set before us has three requirements. There's three requirements for the race. If we're going to run to win, we're going to have to have three great characteristics under our belt. Three things we have to know about the race as we begin 2018, this first month of January. Notice the first one is, it requires effort. Say effort. Amen. Running the race requires effort. Now, this ought to go without saying, but I'm learning in the day you and I live, nothing goes without saying, right? In fact, there is an entire movement in the Christian field right now that has become very popular that says that grace is all we need and that grace is automatic and that grace does everything for us and we don't have to do anything or extend any effort. Now, I'm not talking about what some people have preached years ago. I'm talking about a movement that's popped up in the last five years or so within full gospel churches, this hyper-grace movement that says grace is everything and we just rest passively and God does it all and we just enjoy the journey. I want to tell you the Bible knows nothing of that kind of walk with God. The Bible constantly uses language that tells us it's going to require effort on our part to live for Jesus. Paul talks about wrestling like a soldier. He talks about fighting the good fight of faith. He gives us the picture of putting on armor to engage an enemy in battle. He says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. And the word wrestle is hand-to-hand combat. It's locking up in physical confrontation with an opponent. And in this sense, he talking about spiritual confrontation with the enemy and his forces in this world and it is a very real struggle and we face it very intimately and very personally Paul talks about running the race in such a way as to win the prize Paul talks about competing in an athletic event and doing it according to the rules over and over the language of effort is found in the New Testament and it's tied to living for God We must exert effort to win the race for Jesus. God's grace is free, but the way we preach it can sometimes make us lazy. It's free and it's readily readily available to us. And the writer of Hebrews acknowledges that. In fact, he says in Hebrews 4.16, we should run to God's throne to receive the mercy and grace that we is available to us for the time of need. He says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We're promised grace and we're urged to seek God for that grace. And yet I want to tell you we have to do more than that. God's grace isn't automatic. We activate God's grace by our faith. And faith is not just a head belief, but it is faith in action. Hear me today. What do you mean, Pastor? God's grace is activated by faith in action. Say that with me. God's grace is activated by faith in action. Jesus told Peter, throw your net on the other side of the boat. 
go out into the deep and cast the net in order to bring in a haul. God's grace had come to Peter that day. He toiled all night and caught nothing. And God told Peter, Jesus told Peter, if you want to catch fish, do what I'm telling you to do. Now listen, Peter could have toiled all night and all the next day and still not caught any fish. That miraculous catch of fish was a gift of God's grace to him. But he would never have caught it if the boat had stayed on the shore. And he would never have brought in the catch if he had not lowered his nets. Was it grace? Yes. Did it require effort? Yes. Are these two things contradictory? No. The way you access grace is by acting on your faith. Faith lays hold of grace. Active faith. Faith that is willing to step out and risk and trust God. That's the kind of faith that lays hold of the promise of God. Wow. That's what God's word says. Bartimaeus, yet was he healed by God's grace? Yes, it was an act of grace. But what did he do? He parked himself on the road. Jesus was walking down and he yelled at the top of his lungs, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And if he'd stayed home, he'd have died blind. What about God's grace? God's grace is activated by our faith. Faith in action lays hold of grace and draws down the benefit that God has promised. Does God provide it freely? Yes. But if I want to receive it, I must actively pursue that in faith. Hear me today. Paul says this in Colossians 1 verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. I love that verse. Who's going to do the toiling? Who's going to do the struggling? I am. You see it? Who toils? Who struggles? I toil. I struggle. But who provides the energy? It's his energy which he operates in me. Hear me today. You and I are promised that we don't have to run the race alone or in our own strength. But we have to move our legs in order to lay hold of the strength that God promises. Amen? God provides the strength, but we must exert the effort. That's the way it is in the Christian life. It's always been this way. God strengthens while I struggle. He doesn't do it all for me, but he will enable me to do what I could not do on my own. Amen? Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, Paul tells the Philippians, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Who's going to work it out? I'm going to work it out. Who's working in me while I'm working on it? He is. God works in me, but I must work out what he's working in me. I've got to work it out. God does something on the inside. And like toothpaste, I've got to squeeze it from the bottom of the tube and roll it up to the top of the tube or it won't ever manifest. Amen? God's put it in. I've got to work it out. Work out your salvation. Oh, pastor, I, I just need, if God would just give me patience. You have the Holy Spirit. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. You've already got it in you. You've got to work it out of you. Work on it. Pastor, I'm not a patient person. No, but the Holy Ghost is patient, and he lives in you. And if you'll yield to him and cooperate with him, he will produce the good fruit of patience in you. Work out what he's working in. It's a partnership. It's a cooperation. He's not going to do it all. You've got to do something. Amen? Amen. Go home and put you a tube of toothpaste on the counter and remember the sermon. Amen? 
grab that thing and roll it up from the bottom like you're supposed to. Squeeze it and say, I'm working it out. I'm working it out. We've got to work out what God's working in. Why? Because it's God in us who wills and works according to his good pleasure. Amen? If the Spirit lives in me, he'll work on me, but I've got to work it out and apply it to my life. 1 Timothy 4 and 7 says this, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself. Boy, that sounds like work, doesn't it? Effort, the discipline of an athlete to practice and to, and to train. Paul says living for God requires the same kind of effort and training that an athlete endures to excel at his sport. One more, 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8. Peter says this, For this reason, make every effort, say effort, make every effort to add to your faith. Pastor, I'm saved by grace through faith. Yes, and if your faith is real, your faith won't stop at salvation. It won't stop at forgiveness. It'll press on through to these other things. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure say increasing measure then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ the Christian life requires effort say effort I must be working out what he is working in. This is a race and we must run it. Paul tells the Galatians, you did run well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He tells the Corinthians, don't you know that those in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to win the prize. One Run in such a way that you may obtain it, that you may lay hold of it. The Christian life takes effort. And number two, the Christian life takes endurance. Say endurance. I have to have some staying power if I'm going to be a Christian. I have to be able to bear up under something. I want to tell you there's a lot of difference between being able to deadlift something for a moment and hold something for a long time. The question is not how much can you bench. The question is how long can you hold it. <laughs> Amen. How long can you hold it there? Guys, you know this is true, right? You're holding that big old bag, that heavy item, and your wife is fumbling in her purse trying to find the keys. And you just, and every second that she can't find the key ring to let you in the house, you swear that thing grows by five pounds, right? It's just getting heavier and heavier. And you start it out like this, and by the time she gets in the house, you're like this, right? <laughs> Endurance, the ability to persevere, to bear up under it. There's an interesting word in the New Testament that is often translated endurance or perseverance. And in the older translations, it's translated, in my opinion, rather weakly. It's translated patience. Now, maybe back in the day, patience meant the same thing as perseverance. But I don't know that it does today. When most of us think about patience today, we think about passively sitting back, waiting on something to happen. While we file our fingernails and listen to our phones or the music on our iPod, right? I'm patiently waiting. That is not what that word means in the Bible. The word patience is better translated perseverance because the Greek word is hupomene. And hupo means under and mene means to bear. So it's literally to bear up under a load. It is to carry a heavy burden. It is to be holding up a heavy object. 
And how many of you know you don't do that filing your fingernails whistling Dixie, right? No, you're straining, you're pushing, you're groaning, you're ready for this to be over, but you're bearing up under it moment by moment, being in sustained by strength and power. That's what the word means in the Bible. The word isn't just patience, it is endurance, it is perseverance, it is not passively waiting, it is actively straining under the load that life often brings to us. How many of you have had to actively strain a little bit this week under the load of life? Yes, that's the truth, isn't it? There's often the struggle, we feel this, and it doesn't just require effort, it requires sustained effort, and we call that endurance. The ability to stay at it, to bear up under the load. Not only must we run, we must run with endurance. This test, this Christian life will have obstacles and tests. This isn't the one mile fun run, okay? This is the Spartan race. You're going to have to carry some loads and make it through some mud puddles and climb up some hills and go through some valleys. This is a triathlon. This is a warrior dash, amen? This requires something of us. This isn't the 5K. This is the 26.2 mile marathon that we have to endure to make it, to make it all the way to the end of the journey. You and I must endure. Hebrews 11 is filled with the stories of people that made it. It's the hall of faith, we call it. And the Bible tells us in this passage that there are two options for us, two ways that our faith will demonstrate its reality in our lives when we face trouble and trial. When we face great difficulty, sometimes our faith enables us to escape. Say escape. Sometimes our faith causes us to be rescued or delivered from our trial. Sometimes we escape our trials by faith. What do you mean? Well, look at verse 32. Look at this list. This is a great list, isn't it? This is the list I would elect to be on if I get a say in the matter. Verse 32. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and women received their dead, raised to life again. Yeah, I want to be on that list. I want to be on the escape list. They hit a problem, they believed God, and God rescued them from the difficulty, and they escaped the trial by faith. Say they escaped. But I came to tell you today that if I'm going to be fair to the text, I have to also alert you there is another possibility. There is another list in Hebrews 11, and it's in the very next verse. In fact, it's in the bottom half of the verse that I ended with there. It begins in verse 35, the second half. Sometimes we escape by faith, but sometimes our faith doesn't enable us to escape, but to endure the difficulties of life. Sometimes God rescues me out of my trial. Sometimes God strengthens me to go through the trial to the other side and to make it. One time Jesus calmed the storm... The other time, he got in the boat with very fearful disciples and the boat landed on the other shore when he entered it with them. One time, they escaped it. The other time, they endured it. That's how life is for us. Sometimes we escape. We shout on those days, right? Thank God for the miracle. But other days, we endure. Look at the second half of verse 35. Others, say others. 
Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. All of these, say all of these. What is the all of these? Both lists. Both the escape list and the endure list. Both the ones that got a miracle and the ones who held on and survived the test. Both groups, all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They all obtained a good report, and yet none of them received everything they were expecting. Why? Because only Jesus brings us everything we're expecting. And all of that doesn't come in this life. Some of the things we're believing God for will come when Jesus comes again. Amen? There are promises that won't happen until that day. And we have to endure and make it through till that day to receive those great promises. Running the race requires endurance. Say endurance. Some days you're on the escape list, and some days you're on the endure list. And I've never figured out how to determine which list you land on. And if you have, let me know. Amen? <laughs> My experience has been, it, it sort of depends on the day. Some days we believe God, and God sends a miracle quickly. Some days we believe God, and it lingers, and then God comes to pass. And some days we plow on through, and it doesn't seem like we get a miraculous turnaround, but somehow we look back over our shoulder, and the trial that would have killed us, the trial that would have stopped us, the trial that would have destroyed our faith five years ago didn't destroy our faith. We survived it. We endured it. We made it through, and we look back over our shoulder and say, I don't know how I made it. I know the devil designed that storm to take me out and yet it didn't take me out I'm still here I'm still living for God I'm still loving Jesus what ought to have killed me made me strong what should have devastated me only strengthened me what should have eroded my faith in God has made me believe him even more than I did on the front side endure sometimes you escape sometimes you endure but a faith that can't be tested shouldn't be trusted we have to know that our faith in God is genuine. And making it through the trial is what proves that for us. Matthew 24, 13. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He says in 2 Timothy, if we endure with him, we will also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he endured. He endured the cross, despising the shame. We follow one who perseveres so that we can persevere too. Running this race will require effort. It will require endurance. And finally this morning, it will require encouragement. Say encouragement. If we're going to live for God, we need encouragement. Can I tell you, the hardest thing about walking through trials is not what happens to us on the outside. It's what happens to us on the inside. The most difficult part of any test is not the outward test. It's the inward trial. The hard thing is not what happened to our bodies. 
the hard thing is not that. The hard thing is not the, the loss we experienced in the physical world. The hard thing is what it does to us mentally. It's how we fight and struggle against the strain of it on the inside. To hold on to our faith in God. To stay true to God. To still believe His promises. To not cave in to despair. To not feel hopeless. That's the hard thing. The hard fight is between our ears, isn't it? The hard fight is to stay encouraged when the trouble lasts longer than we hoped it would ever last. That's the fight. It's the fight of faith to stay encouraged and hold on to God and to not let go of our hope, to not cash in our chips, to not, as the writer of Hebrews says, cast away our confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Let us run the race. Let us run. Say us. Have you noticed that the commands today are not singular? They're plural. Plural. That means this is not something that we just do individually. This is something we're commanded to do collectively. The, ver the, the word there in Greek is plural. He's not just writing saying you individually are responsible for doing this all by yourself. You run your race. No. He tells the whole church, let us run our race that is set before us. Say us. You see, the reality of living the Christian life is this. This is not something you're called to do alone. John Wesley said no man can be a Christian alone. God has called us to do this thing together. He's called us to run this race as part of a team. You and I have been given the gift of one another. There are a few songs that I just don't like. There was an old song that some people used to sing. It never was in the Church of God hymnal, thank God. But it said me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. Why don't we sing it? Because it's a lie. You and Jesus don't have your own thing going. You've either got the thing that he describes in this book going, or you don't have a thing going. He didn't offer you an individual tailor-made plan. He offered you what he offered everybody else, the same offer of salvation at the cross, and you take it or you leave it. That's your options. Amen. You forsake your sin, trust Jesus, and go to heaven, or you stay on the broad road and do what you want to, and that path leads to destruction. That's the options. That's the offer. There is no me and Jesus got our own thing going. No, you don't. You and Jesus don't have it all worked out. God has offered this, and everyone who receives it walks this way together. God tells us that if we trust him and believe in him, that he folds us into a community called the church. Well, Pastor, I'm a churchless Christian. The New Testament doesn't know anything about a churchless Christian. You might be sick and unable to attend church. That's okay. That's not a churchless Christian. That's a shut-in. That's somebody who's homebound. We go visit those people. We pray for them. We take them communion and celebrate in their living room with them. Why? Because they're still part of this church. That's why. Just because they can't attend doesn't mean they're not part of it. They're still part of this congregation, and we still celebrate them. Some of them tune in every week on live stream, and they'd be in this room if they could be in this room. But they know that they are still part of this congregation, and they feel and need the encouragement of this body. Every Christian needs encouragement. We can't do this by ourselves. The devil will wear you out. He will exhaust you through trials and troubles in this world. Sustained effort requires endurance, and endurance requires encouragement. Endurance requires encouragement. If I'm going to make it, somebody's going to have to help me stay encouraged in the things of God. Number one, this is a cross-country race. Say cross-country race. You don't run cross-country by yourself. 
Your school had a cross-country team, and if you wanted to run, you didn't sign up as an individual runner. You signed up as a team member, and the team ran together. I want to tell you today, you're not running the Christian race by yourself. God has placed you in a church, and there are people around you. We have to watch out for one another. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up sometimes you stumble on this Christian journey and you need somebody else to check on you and to lift you up whenever you fall we need the encouragement of the church of Jesus every Christian needs a congregation everybody needs a pastor and everybody needs a church Everybody does. And sooner or later, everybody realizes it. But the problem is some of them don't realize it until they fall down and there's nobody there to help. Amen. Become part of a congregation. Become part of a local assembly. Get involved in that. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. There are 100 commands in the New Testament that include the phrase one another. One another. Do this to one another. Love one another. Bear with one another. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. You can't do one another by yourself. Amen. One another requires a community. One another requires a church. It can be a big church or a small church, but there has to be a group of baptized believers committed to following Jesus and teaching his word who meet together regularly, whether it's in a building like this or in a living room around a communion cup. You've got to have a body. You've got to have a community. You have to have a church. We have to have encouragement. We thrive on that. I need a group of people whom I can meet with each week for worship and fellowship. On the days that I feel weak and discouraged, their prayers and their words can motivate me to keep me moving on. 1 Samuel 23, 16 says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. I love that phrase. He strengthened his hand in God. What does that mean? He encouraged him. He spoke to him. David thought he was going to die and lose his life. That God God's promises would never come true that Saul was going to be the end of him and Jonathan went to him in secret and grabbed hold of him and shook David and said I know that God is going to make you the next king and not me and you are going to have what God promised you don't you be afraid of my father I'm going to help you and God's going to help you and you're going to make it through this test thank God for Jonathan's in our life thank God for people who will come to us whenever we're struggling and discouraged and will shake us and say don't you fall into despair God loves you and he's going to carry you through this and I'm going to walk with you through this also we need one another we need the encouragement that comes from being part of the body years ago the story was told of the Special Olympics you're familiar with that I'm sure it's athletic events for those who have physical disabilities or maybe mental disabilities and they they struggle to compete uh, in the regular uh, events and so they have a group called the Special Olympics and they compete in very similar if not identical events to those in our regular Olympics and people compete in those a few years back there was um there was a race foot race that was going on and um that they came out of the gate a little boy named thomas was running and he pulled out well ahead of everybody and he was running and he was doing really well 
one person began to gain on him just a little bit. And when they got about even, something happened, and they tripped, and they fell. And Thomas kept going a little bit, and his parents were shouting, Run, Thomas, run, Thomas, you've got it, you've got it, you're going to win. But the problem was, Thomas realized pretty quickly that nobody was behind him, and there was nobody on his heels like they had been a moment ago. Thomas looks back over his shoulder and sees that everybody's back there. And so Thomas, to his parents' horror, stops running and turns around and then walks back and joins the group. And guess what the group was doing? The entire group had stopped the race and reached down and helped this fallen runner up and dusted them off. And then they all picked her up fireman style. And then they all got in a line, a single file line, and they put their arms around her shoulders. And Thomas joined them on the end. And they all walked that wounded runner up to the finish line. And at the same moment, they all stepped across the same second. And they all dead tied for winning the race together. Is that good for the Olympics? Probably not. But is it a good example for the way we ought to live life? Probably so. I want to tell you today, Christian, you need somebody who will come back for you when you fall down. You need Christians who will call you when you slip out of church, who will come looking for you when you go missing, who will show up at your hospital bed, who will visit your house, who will check on you in the times of trouble. We need people like that in our lives. We need to watch out for others. Every week, you and I should go home with a list in our pocket of people that we're going to call and check on, people that are down, people that need to be encouraged, people that we can shoot a text or send a card or give a call or a visit. Every Christian ought to have a list every week. Say that with me. Every Christian ought to have a list every week. Raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. As a pastor of this church, I hereby authorize and deputize you to the office of an encourager. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You have been ordained, okay? You are hereby licensed as an encourager in the Four Steel Church of God. Take you a list and get on the phone and blow up Facebook and drive across town and do whatever you need to do. Find somebody this week who just needs to be encouraged. Amen? Amen. Lift them up. It doesn't cost anything to encourage somebody. And it's so needed. I want to be Barnabas. I want to be the son of encouragement. I want every time somebody sees me coming to go, man, I always feel better when he shows up. I want to be that person. And so ought you want to be that person. Amen? Amen. It takes encouragement. This is a cross-country race. We're part of a team. Say a team. But this is also a relay race. Say a relay in a relay race, you run your leg, and then you're waiting, and somebody comes back, and they hand you the baton, and you take off and run your part, and then you pass the baton to the person who's behind you. That's a relay race. You know what? The Christian life is not only a cross-country race, it's a relay race. There are people who went before me on this journey, and there are people who will come behind me on this journey, and I have an obligation to both groups. Part of God's team runs alongside me now. That's my local church, my fellow Christians who keep me encouraged. But part of the team has already completed their race and crossed the finish line. And they have passed the baton on to me. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says that we ought to run the race because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who is that great cloud of witnesses? Well, number one, they're the people that he just got through talking about in Hebrews 11. That's the great cloud of witnesses. All these heroes of the Old Testament, these people like Moses and Abraham and Gideon and, and Jephthah, these people who ran their race for God and crossed the finish line into eternity and Jesus said, well done to them. 
That's part of that great cloud of witnesses. They encourage us. They are in the grandstands today. They're the saints from Hebrews 11, Enoch and Abram and Moses and Elijah and Gideon. They're also the New Testament saints, the 12 apostles, Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Timothy. These names I read about in the New Testament. They ran their race and they finished and they joined that great cloud of witnesses. But I don't know about you, I've got my own list of witnesses. I have my own list of people who ran the race before me and made it home and I know that they're there and I know that if they could see me now they would shout encouragement to me over the balcony rail of heaven. I know they crossed by God's grace through faith and their testimony and their endurance and their story encourages me to do like they did. Amen. I've got people who've crossed ahead of me. They're our loved ones, our saint and grandparents and parents, our fellow church church members who entered heaven before us. The writer pictures them leaning over the balcony of heaven, filling the grandstands of glory, cheering us on, shouting, come on, you've got this, you can do it, keep your eyes on Jesus, run the race, you've almost made it, God's power is enough for you, His grace is sufficient for you, endure, keep your head up, run on, run on. I'm thankful for people like that. I'm thankful for the example of people who went before me. You know what? It would do us good sometimes to break out the photo album and look back at the pictures of those people on our personal list of witnesses, our personal cloud of witnesses who've gone before us and let their stories encourage us. Amen. I keep some things like that around me all the time. They encourage me. If you walk into my office, you'll see a Bible sitting on my desk. It was given to me by a man who's a hero of mine. His name is Ernest Quinley, and he laid a Bible in my hands three years ago, February the 1st, when I came to pastor this church and charged me with God's words from 1 Timothy. And that Bible stays on my desk to remind me that I'm called to walk in the footsteps of a great man. I keep a pipe in my, coat, in my, um, in my briefcase. Pastor, we're Church of God. We don't smoke pipes. No, we don't. But my grandpa was Baptist, and he did. And that World War II veteran was a mighty man. And he raised a great family of seven kids and loved God and did the best he knew how to do. And I can still smell Prince Albert tobacco off in the end of it. It reminds me of my grandpa. You can call the overseer if you want to, but he can't have my pipe either. (laughs) I don't smoke it. I just smell of it once in a while. Amen. Why do I keep it? It reminds me of a great man that I want to be like who raised his family and loved his family more than anything. And he did right by them to the day that he died. That man encourages me in my walk with God. When I sit in my house or I sit in my office here behind me on the walls in my bookshelves are commentaries that did not belong to me. They belong to Shay's grandfather, the Reverend Junior Watkins, who pastored churches in Mississippi and dug out great works for God everywhere that he did. And when I pick up those books and I hold them in my hand, I'm not just reading words on a page. I'm walking the paths that somebody else walked before me. I'm walking through the pages that he read. I'm holding the books that he held. And I'm preaching the faith that he preached. And just the fact that they belong, people say, Pastor, those are old and dusty. You know, you can buy a new set of those. I wouldn't trade my old set for your new set for anything in the world. Because he held that set. And he encourages me to walk with God and finish the race that I started. Everybody needs a list of people they're encouraging. And everybody needs a list of heroes who've crossed the line ahead of them that speak to them from the past and say, you can make it. You can make it. I need people running alongside me, and I need people who've crossed over ahead of me. I'm closing with this. Years ago, I told you last week about the race that Shay and I entered in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, up the hills and the valleys. I'll never forget topping the hill. 
the last one. And before I could get to the crest and realize that I had actually just about made it to the finish line through my labored breathing, <laughs> sounded like Eeyore coming up that last hill. There I am, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this or not. I'm about to quit running and start walking because I don't know if I can do this or not. Legs are burning, lungs are burning. And just about the time I get to the top of the hill, before I can see the finish line, I begin to hear noise. And it's this guy on a bullhorn, and he's going, come on, runners, runners, keep on running up ahead. Runners, you almost made it. Come on, you're at the finish line. Push, 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 run, run, run. Then you get a little further and you hear all these people shouting and clapping and shouting and yelling, come on, come on, come on, you've got it. You know what happens to you when that happens? You get something that they call a second wind. Say a second wind. Down on the inside from where you don't know whence it comes, you get this burst of adrenaline and energy and something hits your bloodstream and you go from barely making it to picking up and you run and you cross the finish line as people shout and people cheer. I'm thankful today to know that no matter how difficult it gets, I've got people beside me, and when it gets so to the point, I can't hear the people beside me anymore. When my life grows dim and I am about to take my last breath, I'm thankful that I won't even cross that moment alone because when I can't hear your voice anymore praying over me in my hospital room, I'm thankful to God that I'll hear some other voices. I've got a grandmother and a grandfather. I've got pastors and loved ones, and when I can't hear you, I'll hear them shout, Come on, you've made it! Run just a little bit further. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So let us get rid of the weight and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Are you ready to run the race? Stand with me all over God's house today. God's called us to run with endurance. To run in such a way as to win. I've got to lose the weight I've got to strip off every sin and every hindrance that might trip me up. I've got to have endurance and perseverance to run the race that is set before me. I've got to keep going. I've, I've started out to make it. I've come too far to turn back now. I can hear the song of saints on higher ground. I can hear the voice of Jesus saying, well done. And it makes me want to run. It makes me want to turn to my neighbor and say, oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. It makes me want to finish stronger than I started. And I hope it does you. Church, run the race. Say, run the race. Do you want to go to heaven today? Well, you can sign up for the journey at the base of an old rugged cross, Mount Calvary. You can come today and kneel and confess your sins to God. You can believe on Jesus that he died and rose again to free you from your sins. He can break your chains today and you can trust him and be saved. You can invite him into your heart and life and he can rescue you from sin. He can give you the strength and the grace to endure whatever life throws at you. And you can make it all the way home by the grace of God. His grace is sufficient. His power is enough. But in order to endure it to the end and win this race, it'll take effort. It'll require something. No, it'll require all you've got. It'll require you to labor with all the grace and energy and strength that God pours into you. But He will pour into you everything you need to make it. You've got to be willing to run. It'll take effort. It'll take endurance. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is the long haul. Being a Christian is not a commitment that you make at this altar and forget by the time you get home or forget by next Tuesday or forget five years from now. This is not a, I'll try Jesus. No, you don't try Jesus. You try Baskin Robbins. God's not going to give you a little spoonful and let you see how you like it this morning. 
if you want to live for Jesus, then make up your mind. Who said that? Jesus did. Jesus said nobody goes and builds a house without counting the cost first. You make sure you got the budget to finish what you started. If you want to live for God, make up your mind today you're going to live for God. Come to this altar and repent of your sin and trust Jesus. And then get up and start living for God. And he'll give you the grace you need every step of the way if you'll trust him. Finally, it's going to take encouragement. You can't run it by yourself. You've got to plug in and stay connected. Some of you, like I said last week, you need to disconnect yourself from the wrong group of people. You need to disentangle yourself from all the Debbie Downers in your life. You need to pull away from the crowd that discourages you and tells you you can't and that you shouldn't live for God. And you need to hold them at a distance. You need to not let them have influence over you as much as is possible. And you need to plug yourself into the family of God so that you can be encouraged every week and urged to continue the journey for Jesus. Amen? Every head bowed all over God's house. We're going to break in just a moment. I want to give you a chance to visit our life group fair. If you need encouragement, it's a great place to find encouragement. Just beyond these doors, you can join God's cross-country team. Don't try to make the journey alone. Everybody needs a pastor and everybody needs a church. But before either one of those, you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you're here today and you've not trusted in Christ as Savior, as we sing, I want to invite you to come. If you've wandered off and you need to come back, Jesus will receive you this morning. Come to him. He will enable you to endure. Pastor, you don't know the trial I've been through. It doesn't matter today. God's grace is enough. If he made other people stand, he can cause you to stand. If others have made it by God's strength, you can make it by God's strength. You're no exception. Oh, pastor, but I'm a mess. You're no match for his grace. You're no match for his grace. We could walk you through stories in this book of people who had many more strikes against them than you do today. Come and trust Jesus. Look unto Jesus and be saved. He'll rescue you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today for everyone under the sound of my voice. If they've never heard, if, they've, if this has never been real for them, or if maybe they tried and walked away and weren't really serious about this thing earlier in their lives, I pray that today would be the day that the Holy Spirit touches their heart and they just say, I'm going to trust Jesus and I'm going to run this race and I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to trust God to help me and His people to encourage me. Lord, I pray today that you'd speak to their hearts and draw them to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Let's sing. You want to come to the altar? The altar's open. Don't pray. Let's lift our voice up. Let's give God praise. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.